Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. This is where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. I wanted to write a book that helped not only administrators see themselves in the role of coaching and how to do that, but also to help those coaches see themselves in a leadership role. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Krinas. Yes, you heard me right. I did it. I finally defended my dissertation. And although I haven't quite completed the doctoral degree and the entire process, I have earned the right to be called doctor by successfully defending my dissertation. And I just wanted to take this moment to say thank you to those of you who took part in the defense process. Uh, But of course, to the many of you guys who have supported me along the way, it's been about a four-year journey from start to finish. And like I said, although the degree is not complete yet, it's nearing its end and the really hard parts are behind me. So that's right, Dr. Dan, it is now. And uh, I just really appreciate everyone's support. Speaking of appreciating everyone's support, thank you once again for tuning in. I apologize we did not put out an episode last week. I have decided again, at least for the time being, to go back to releasing episodes every two weeks instead of every week. Across the board, podcast listenership seems to be a bit down these days, especially with educators who are just trying to stay afloat and keep their students engaged and keep doing everything they can to maintain some normalcy in terms of the teaching and learning going on during the quarantining and the school shutdowns. I hope you're doing well through all of this. I'm interested to know whose schools are still holding out hope that they might be able to open up their doors still in the 2019-2020 school year. Right now, as I'm recording this, my state has not shut down for the rest of the year. May 20th is our target date right now to go back. But of course, like so many of you are probably doubting it right now. Myself, I'm, I'm also doubting that that date is really going to be the date that we're able to go back. Let me talk about this episode a little bit. In this episode, I invited on a guest whom I've become pretty familiar with uh, this school year. Sherry St. Clair is an amazing educator, an expert in instructional coaching. And as an instructional coach myself, not only do I appreciate her work, her message, her book, Coaching Redefined, but she's also been a consultant who has come into my district to work with the instructional coaches across the entire district and provide professional development and professional learning for us to continue to grow and really hone our craft as instructional coaches, which many of us have only been doing for a very short while. I was really excited and interested to talk to Sherry and bring her onto the show. And so here is my interview with Sherry St. Clair. All right, it is my privilege to interview in this episode Sherry St. Clair, who is the founder of Reflective Learning LLC, an educational consulting agency. Sherry is a speaker, of course, an educator, a consultant, and in my opinion, because we've worked together during some PD sessions, an expert in the area of specifically instructional coaching. And I would be remiss if I did not mention the author of Coaching Redefined, A Guide to Leading Meaningful Instructional Growth. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on and and giving us this time here. And if you could, just if I missed anything in that introduction, please let us know. Oh, 
you did a great job. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here tonight with you. I'm excited. It's it's definitely an honor. You know, we've uh, we've met up now. You know, just in all transparency for my listeners, uh, Sherry comes in to do. PD and, and workshops with the instructional coaches in my district. And uh, I think I can safely speak for the other coaches when I say that they are some really powerful and impactful uh, sessions that we have and, and definitely some great takeaways that I think we, we come away with each time we meet. And, and I guess what I'm wondering is like, how did you get there? You know, how did you uh, acquire this passion for coaching? And I guess just take us back through your educational career and background a little bit. Well, first, before I go there, let me just also compliment your coaches because every time I walk away from working with your coaches, I have tears of joy in my eyes because they are just such a reflective group. And I know your school system is really trying to do it right and honor the work of the coaches for by providing support for them. So I have loved, loved, loved my work with your coaches. Um, to answer your question, I started out as a teacher and then um, in my career path moved from that to um, high school administrator. My role there was instructional leadership and part of that was coaching instruction in the school. So I saw that from a um, administrator perspective, moved from that role to work in the State Department for a short period of time as a middle and high school consultant. That time my national work grew and I left the state system, opened up my own company and um, began coaching schools all over the country and now globally. I absolutely love what I do. I am passionate about it, as you know. Uh, I get to work with some of the top schools in the country and then some who are really struggling and just need assistance. But I um, work with administrators and instructional coaches. I think instructional coaches are in a leadership role that where they need support and um, they get differing degrees of support from differing systems. And it's just really been an honor to work with them. But the thread that has been common through my experience is just looking for those instructional best practices and, and how to coach those, whether school administrators, instructional coaches, teachers, whomever I have the privilege of working. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I think that uh, I obviously need to ask you when it comes to instructional best practices about what your experience has been like now with uh, what we were calling uncertain times and distance learning and, and remote learning and all of this stuff. Um, you, you know, I guess, how have you seen uh, instruction shift now going to distance learning? And, and I guess more specifically in terms of instructional coaching, are you getting a sense for how coaches are being uh, utilized to continue supporting teachers as best they can now from a distance? So, you know, Dan, this is a, a period of time like no other in our country, in our world. And um, I think we're all still trying to figure out those pieces. What we know is 
there are some things that will remain the same relationships 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 are key so whether it's distant learning or students sitting in front of us in our classroom we know that we have to find ways to continue building relationships with those that we serve so whether it be coaching a teacher and helping them find ways to use zoom or google meets or any kind of use of technology to do any kind of um, building relationships with students that's that's what we can do um, it might be pen pals you know we might go low tech but um, we we have to keep finding ways to build relationships with students and i think we're seeing some unique things um, from teachers and school systems uh, spirit weeks and some uh, uh, virtual spirit weeks and some meetups that are unique but i think we're still trying to figure out this piece together it happened overnight virtually and um, i have been in awe at how educators have just come together and educational organizations have come together to support uh, teachers who are supporting students but it's definitely not easy we're all juggling a lot right now. So I think we have to remember those um, social emotional needs, both for our students, but as uh, coaches, for our teachers, and just check in on those, keep our relationships strong, and then think about the content that we're trying to provide for students and families. Yeah. And to piggyback off on that, I think that I, you know, you just mentioned like the, the content, I, I think in my humble opinion, uh, when all is said and done, whenever we get through with the clo school closures and distance learning, I'd like to think the optimist in me would like to think that the biggest takeaway from all of this will be really just being able to boil education down to what matters most. And I know you, you harped a lot on the relationships and the connections uh, between teachers and students, teachers and schools with families uh, in their schools and in their districts. Uh, you know, even talking about instructional coaches, the support and, and the nurturing kind of relationships that they have with teachers. But I just think that uh, hopefully, I, I hope, that we will come out of this with a, a very different lens on what really matters. And, you know, maybe that means finally taking a hard, long look at standardized assessments. I don't know what that is going to look like, but I think for sure it'll mean a, a hard look at what we're teaching and the way that we're teaching it. And, and is that really making an impact? I, I honestly think that way. Again, it's a little optimistic maybe, but uh, would you agree or, or what do you think may kind of come out of all that? Oh, I definitely agree. I think uh, we are definitely at a pivotal moment. You know, we left schools and they were one way and we will enter schools and it will be completely different. Um, how that looks will depend on the school system and the community, quite frankly. Um, it will either be, will come back as stronger in some ways, and then in other ways, we might have these achievement gaps from students who might not have the online support, or they might not have had support for some of the academics at home, or sometimes it might have been difficult to do the work at home in the same way that a student could have received at a school but we will go back to different schools than we left and um, i 
I also agree with you in that we're going, it makes us think intentionally about what we're teaching and we're going to have a whole wealth of virtual content to pull from that we did not have before and that I'm excited about. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I've actually heard people kind of worry that... Um, maybe there will be some negative ramifications in terms of like what you just said, the the virtual content and that potentially the role of the teacher will either not be as important or um, that, that it'll really just, I guess, jolt teachers to the point of like forcing them to do things that they're not real comfortable with, which I mean, I think this kind of has anyway, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, teachers are here to stay regardless. And, and at least my, Again, my humble opinion is I don't think anyone should be worried about their jobs or the teaching profession going away. I think that's um, that's very much like hyperbole. But um, again, I think that that when all is said and done, the way and you you said it too, the way that the education community has come together to support each other has been really amazing, in my opinion. I agree, and I, I can remember being in an elementary classroom and the teacher coming in and saying, by the time you graduate high school, teachers are going to be replaced by robots. <laughs> and of course, that has not happened yet, but I, I think um, we will always need other humans. We feed off of each other. We help each other grow stronger. Um, those relationships are so key. Just I, I tweeted out today, I miss watching people give hugs to children and fist bumps and those kinds of things that don't happen virtually. But right now, we are doing the best we can with what we have in the situation that we're in. And that's what makes me so proud of educators. They have stepped up to the bar and moved beyond in trying to accommodate for students. And that's that's just what our profession does time and time again. We adapt to meet the needs of children because that's who we serve and we love our work. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great and, and field to be in for sure. Yeah, I agree. And just to kind of wrap up the conversation about the school closures, like I, I know that I've mentioned on the show before how I'm at the tail end of my doctoral journey and um, this degree, uh, and, and I think I'm just a few weeks away now from my defense finally, like this degree is the second one I've done completely online. And so I get how online learning does need to look different. But when I think about it, when I really step back and think about what makes at least the experiences that I've had online and, and learning from a distance, what makes them really successful is that connection piece that, you know, yes, information is presented to you and, and you have to kind of figure out what to do with it. And yes, you can learn at your own pace and set your own schedule and all that. But at the end of the day, if there is something that you, you need help with, that you need support with, but in general, just uh, getting through 
each course and understanding the material, you need to reach out to the other classmates or, you know, whatever you want to call them from a distance, you're not really in class with them, but you know, they're still your classmates and then the professors who are in charge. And I think just being able to reach out and make those connections at the end of the day, at this point, maybe even for the rest of the school year, depending on where you're living, that's the situation we're in as educators. Anyway, I, I, enough of the, uh, sort of the downer of, uh, of this episode. Let's get back to what we were talking about before, instructional coaching. Your book, Coaching Redefined, um, of course, is something that I've been reading along with the coaches in my district this year as we go through these workshops that you have us doing too. And I think it's been an amazing um, opportunity for me and the other coaches across my district to be able to learn uh, about the art of coaching, but at the same time, like reflect on what we've been doing and, and where we want to go and how we can continue to make our teachers better. Um, and so I, I appreciate that about the book. What can you tell us uh, other than that about Coaching Redefined? So I, I wanted to write this book because, as I said earlier, I work with both administrators in thinking about instructional leadership and then coaches and and teachers. Now more, I work with coaches and uh, administrators. But what I found was sometimes those coaches did not see themselves in a leadership role. And it is a leadership role. So I wanted to write a book that helped not only administrators see themselves in the role of coaching and how to do that, but also to help those coaches see themselves in a leadership role. And those two things need to work side by side in a school. Those, they need to be aligned. So that's part of the, the um, reason behind the book. The other part was because I knew there was an, a connection between that building relationships, knowing content, and the leadership piece. And so I've tried to weave all three of those into the book and the importance of all three and how we go about uh, working with all three of those areas uh, and to show how the strength of all three of those areas help to enhance the educational experience that a child would have. And then the other piece that I wanted to pull in was the business piece. And as you know, Dan, there's business scenarios throughout the book. And there's not an ounce of me that wants a reader to think Sherry's trying to turn us into a business. That's not my intention with using the research from the business world. My intention there is that that research is out there. Why don't we use it how we can in the field of education. Businesses pour a lot of uh, funding and research money into um, getting some of these pieces right, money that we don't necessarily have or time to spend. And so if they, if they get that piece right, then let's use those lessons that they've learned. So how do we market our ideas? How do we vision cast? How do we communicate? How do we motivate individuals? Those are all pulled from business scenarios and, and related to how we can use those in the educational field throughout the book. 
Yeah. And I appreciate that a lot, not only as an instructional coach, but now literally as a student of leadership and, and understanding that that critical coaching component to leadership and how leadership impacts teachers and their growth mindsets. And, you know, I know that you've you've listened to the show before. I say in every episode, no matter who you are, where you are, you're a leader of learning, and I, and I believe that. And I think what what does resonate from the book and from your work with you know teachers like like us in, in my district and and all around the country is that um, that that piece that you mentioned, like if you're a coach, you're a leader, and good leadership involves good coaching, uh, whether that's everything from you know how to really listen to a teacher to really just how to prepare yourself to, to better support the teachers or, or whoever, uh, you know, other employees that you work with. Um, is, is there maybe one takeaway from the book, one piece of advice that you would give someone like a coach or someone in that sort of middle ground in leadership that, that you really want to like resonate with them? I will share what someone shared with me recently as, as a piece that really struck them in the book. And that is the listening tour. The listening tour is something that I suggest people start with when they're starting coaching because it allows them to hear different voices. Um, so the book talks about how to listen to your stakeholders from your administrators to your teachers to your community members, parents, and students. And it gives you some questions to use. That gets you out of what you think is reality and what you're truly facing as a coach. Now, you asked me about coming in uh, midstream and sometimes when I'm working with coaches and they're not brand new, they'll ask me how to use that listening tour. And my suggestion is if you are already starting to coach and you haven't done that piece, that's okay. Uh, That's just where you are, but I would come in and start doing that piece. So pick some of those questions and just ask students a few of those every week just to keep you um, grounded in what truly is being heard by the message or what is truly happening. So um, I think that would be the piece that I would say pay attention to as it's just a little different from maybe what a coach has been exposed to before. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And I'm really glad that you you grabbed that piece and, and shared that piece because I think that, you know, no matter what role anyone is in, if they're a classroom teacher, if they're a coach or a teacher leader, if they're an administrator, or if they're in the business world and they find themselves in a, in a leadership position, um, you're going to have to utilize that, that relationship piece to be able to uh, listen ask questions, really understand what's going on so that you can support better. And really at the end of the day, you can, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, push your fellow colleagues or your employees to be better because that's really the whole point, right? Right. And you will learn things that you didn't know before. You know, what we say is not always what is heard by other individuals. And um, doing a listening tour lets you really take a step back and hear what is truly felt by those that you serve. So it just, it 
it keeps you really grounded um, and to understand from their viewpoint it will it will help you know how to correctly guide your school yeah and, and, and i think and dan i'll add to that that what they say and what they don't say are equally important things will start to rise to the top of those that's conversations exactly what I was gonna say, that actually. just t- truly help you okay great yeah no great great minds think alike i like that you know it's it's definitely you know in terms of the listening it's listening to what someone is saying, but also picking up on what they're not. And I think that's a great way to wrap up. Sherry, I want to thank you for your time. And I know we've been planning this for a while. Uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't look like I'm going to get to see you in person in my district anytime soon, but I have really valued uh, the the trainings that that you've led. And um, I, I think I've heard that you're being picked up into next school year. So I will see you again. But for now, I will say thank you for joining me on uh, this episode here. And you know, I'm just really glad we had this chance to catch up. Thank you, Dan. Say hello to all the other coaches there for me. I definitely will. And uh, it, before we go completely, if you could just share out if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, get their hands on a copy of that coaching redefined book, how do they get in touch with you? And how do they find all your stuff? I'm sure. So Coaching Redefined is on Amazon, on Amazon, or you can also um, email me, Sherry, at reflecttolearn.com or visit my website as as well, which is reflecttolearn.com. So any of those ways or find me on Twitter at Sherry St. Clair. Would love to connect with you. Beautiful. Thank you so much again. And of course, all of Sherry's information will be in the show notes for this episode. Sherry, thank you so much. And uh, until we see each other again, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on and at least doing this from a distance. Thank you, Dan. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.